brothers and sisters in Christ. We're at the last day of the year 2023. What will you remember about this year looking back? When you think about how the year began and what you had hoped this year would look like, where do things stand? Do you ever remember what you hoped the year would look like? What was your New Year's resolution if you actually made one? Or do you actually remember it if you did? I mean, I know a year ago seems like so long ago. Are you like me and you don't really even remember anything outside the last couple days? And so anything that, you know, is looking back from a year ago, it's just a blur. Ezra is a book that's appropriate for us to look at, even briefly, as we prepare to head into a new year, to look ahead, while also remembering where we came from. That's because Ezra is part of what we might call the post-exile world for the people of God, the Israelites. And Ezra, as far as a timeline goes, really jumps us ahead into a place that well, we'll actually visit later as we continue to go through the Old Testament. I mean, that's because the books of the Old Testament, they don't all come chronologically. Otherwise, Ezra and Nehemiah, Nehemiah, which are really two halves of one whole, would be much closer to the end of the Old Testament. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about King Josiah, whose 31-year reign ends around 610-609 B.C., the beginning of Ezra mentions the prophet Jeremiah and the first year of Cyrus's reign as king of Persia. That puts us around the year 538 BC. But if you take a look at where your Bible, in your Bible, where Ezra is compared to Jeremiah, well, you'll notice that there are a number of books in between the two of them and many pages separating them, even if they are happening right around the same time. Now, when it comes to the prophets of God, prophets like Jeremiah, you might know, right, they're given the word of God to carry to the people of God. And typically, the message from many of these prophets is, from God, stop sinning. Whatever the sin is, stop doing it. Or else, you will be given over to other nations. You'll be conquered. And then you will be carried off into exile. And then, when you're in exile, when you repent of your sin, God will restore you, and he will bring you back from exile. Now, because we know that there are multiple prophets in the Bible, you can reason that this happens multiple times. Also, because we've already seen this issue with the people of Israel during Moses' time, you can imagine that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree many generations later with the people of Israel. What's the same for the people of Moses' time is also the same for the people of Israel many generations later. And the big thing is, is that these years are full of God's faithfulness, Israel's failure, and God's gracious work of restoration. And you see that God stirred up in Cyrus, the Persian king. Persian king, not an Israelite. He stirs him up to issue a decree. To do what? 
to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. Now the people of God have been granted permission to go back home, to go back to their promised land, to go back to Jerusalem and build the temple, which had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon around 587 B.C. And then he carried off the Israelites into exile in Babylon. Cyrus has now conquered Babylon, and God stirred in his heart to allow the people to return and to rebuild with his support. But it wouldn't be that easy, because the people of the land that the Israelites went back to, they did everything in their power to stop the rebuilding. They sent a letter to the king who comes after Cyrus. His name is Artaxerxes, telling him that these people, the Israelites, they're rebellious. They're hurtful to kings. They stir up sedition. And that if they finish their building, they're not going to pay taxes. King Artaxerxes then issues his own decree, stopping the work of the rebuild. It's only when Darius becomes king that the rebuild begins to happen again. And this is during the time of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, who are there giving support to the people as God is working in them. And the people of God prospered because of the proclamation of the word. And when the rebuilding is even questioned by others, they had to go back some 20 years to find a decree that had been issued by Cyrus. Now, all of that history is to say that the story of Ezra, which is 10 chapters, does not happen overnight. It's not even developed over one year, but many, over decades. And the people of Israel, of Israel, the people during Ezra's time, they pray, they face opposition, and ultimately they learn to trust God. God answers their prayers, and he cares for his people. He is faithful even when they are not. He's always working even when the people are opposing or being opposed. Does any of this sound familiar at all? And so this time of Ezra, going through this post-exile world, can be an image for us today. As years turn into decades, life as a believer can become hard. But it's never hopeless. And God is at work, moving in the hearts of his people to return, to build up, to rebuild his house. The world that we live in is opposed to God, but it is not God forsaken. In difficult seasons, it's important to remember God's gracious words and his work. As we start this new year and look ahead, God's word to us remains the same. He calls us to be faithful because he is faithful. He calls us to not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. As we just saw, Christmas is one of the busiest times of the year for the church, where you have some of the largest services. And then you won't see those kinds of numbers until Easter. Yet the church is still here. And this isn't anything new. 
Those of you who have been around all your lives, you've seen it. It's not going to surprise anyone. But that doesn't mean that we should just sit there and be okay that we have these highs of Christmas celebrating the birth of our Savior, not having that carry over in the months to come, only once we get to Easter. We know that God is faithful, even if his people are not. And in Ezra, we actually see an acknowledgement of that. As the people mention, why they were in exile, why they were in the state that they were in. Because they angered God. Because they sinned. And there was punishment for their sin. The people of Israel were carried off to Babylon. Now for us, it's a little different. The punishment for our sin isn't to be carried off to some foreign land. Punishment for our sin is death. Punishment for our sin is to be carried to the depths of hell. It's eternal death. That's what we deserve. And it doesn't matter if we've committed one sin or one million sins. Punishment is the same. It's death. And that's why God has to step in with the greatest gift that he can give us. His son who came that first Christmas. Jesus is that gift wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in the manger. He is love come down for us. And his love led him to be nailed to the cross and to stay there on the cross, to not come down from that cross, even when the people mocked that if he really was the Christ, that he should come down. No, Jesus had to stay there on the cross as the sinless Son of God, as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He had to die for us on our behalf. He had to take our death. He had to suffer hell for us so that we wouldn't. And in order to give us life, in order to give us the gift of eternal life, and his resurrection from the dead proved that he accomplished all things for us on the cross. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. I mean, this is all given to us by grace through faith, which is also a gift to us. We believe, not because we can on our own. We believe because God works faith in us through the Holy Spirit. And faith comes from hearing the word, that good news of great joy that is for all people. And we carry that word with us wherever we go. And whatever we find ourselves going through, and sometimes it's like the people of God from of old. We're building or we're rebuilding. When you think about the people of God in this post-exile world and rebuilding the temple that's been destroyed, you might think about what kind of post-world we're living in and what we are rebuilding or what we are building. In Ezra chapter 3, the people of God start with the foundation. And you see that there are some that take joy when the foundation is completed. They praise God for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. And there are some that weep 
as it's completed. There are those that were there that would have known what the temple of Solomon had looked like. So this new temple that's now being built was never going to come close to the glory and splendor of Solomon's temple. They also may have seen this new temple and felt the guilt over it because it was their sin that caused the previous temple to be destroyed. But that did not take away from the fact that it was still God's temple. It was the same temple with two different reactions. There are days when we can bring before God two different reactions. We can bring our joy and our thanksgiving. And there will be days where we can only weep and bring bitterness and anger, complaints, sorrow, our guilt before God. Wherever you are today, know that God will take whatever you have, whatever we lift up before him. He will hear you. He will answer you, and he will make it and use it to serve his purpose and for the good of his people. You can look at Peace Lutheran Church in this post-pandemic world, this post-whatever world you want to view that we're in. And you can look at it with joy because it is here. And God's people are here. And you can see one another. And you are here to build up. Or you can look at it and weep and mourn because it's not the glory days of old whenever those glory days were, or because of losses that have occurred. And depending on your reaction, you can go one of two ways into this new year, moving forward here in this place. Whether you see the foundation with what has already been built here with joy or with mourning, you can look ahead with joy or mourning. As many of the people who were rebuilding the temple felt, you can see it as a joyful time to build on the foundation, the foundation of Christ, because this is his church and you are his people, whom he has called by name in baptism, marked by him, redeemed by him to be his servant. And because you have been called by him, you can build You can put the walls up. You can serve God and his people. You can walk side by side with one another. You can gather around his word and his sacraments. You can rebuild old relationships. You can build new relationships. You can build yourself up in the word, in prayer, like Ezra and the people did. Prayers of confession, repentance, prayers of thanksgiving, of adoration. Or you can mourn, grieve what has been lost in our post-whatever world, and not be a part of the building up. That's not to say you are going to actively prevent the building up of God's church like the opposition of the people of Israel faced. 
We'll talk more about that next week. But we do hear Christ say in the gospel reading for today that we would be hated by all nations for his name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. All of us, at one time or another, are part of the problem because we're all sinners. We don't always dedicate our lives, ourselves, to the building up of God's kingdom, to the building up of God's people. Sometimes we tear down. I am no different. I have not always done the right thing. I have not always said the right thing. And there are times when even though God is working through me, my sin gets in the way. So I need to confess. As we look to the new year, let's take a page out of Ezra's book. Confess what we need to confess. Build up instead of tear down. Dedicate ourselves to God's word and his means of grace. Commit ourselves to Christ's church and his people. Seek to share the word with the lost sheep that Christ wants to gather to himself. Those who are of a different flock, a flock that is not led by the good shepherd. Let's not give up meeting together as is the habit of some, of many, even as we come off of Christmas. And let's do this all in joy, giving thanks to the Lord because he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Now, it's easier said than done because words only take you so far. Action is required. And that's where God will step in. Despite our weaknesses, he will use us because his steadfast love does endure forever. He will use us. He will move in our hearts. He will work in us despite our sin. He will lead us guide us, direct us, bring us to repentance when we stumble and fall, when we tear down. He will forgive us when we are brought to repentance. And he will grow his church because he is the foundation. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. His word is the foundation of our faith. And through the hearing of his word, through the proclamation of the gospel, that good news of great joy, that Christ has come into the world, that Christ has given his life for the world, that Christ has won forgiveness of sins and salvation through his death and resurrection, and that Christ will come back one day and take us to be with him in paradise, his church will grow. And the one who endures to the end, by his strength and power, as Jesus said, will be saved. These are the words of promise to you, to all God's people, who are his people, not through blood, but through faith. Faith that he has gifted to you. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.